want to begin by reading a, a few announcements from church bulletins. Now, these are actual announcements, and I've, over the years in the ministry, have collected uh, a lot of different announcements from a variety of church bulletins. Now, I want to add that none of these have come from Emmanuel, all right? So you never saw these here, but you m- might have seen these somewhere, and I know that these are a little humorous. So, one read, this being Easter, obviously this is Christmas, so don't be confused. This being Easter, we will ask Mrs. Lewis to come forward and lay an egg on the altar. A little confusing there. Another said, Thursday night potluck supper, prayer and medication to follow. You know, that's back in the days when we didn't have spell check and we used the typewriters. You never knew for sure what was going to come out there in the bulletin. Here's another one. This afternoon, there will be a meeting in the south and north ends of the church. Children will be baptized at both ends. Think about that one for a moment. (laughs) Oh, my, I like this one. Well, not so much, really. Thursday at 5 p.m., there will be a meeting of the Little Mothers Club. All wishing to become little mothers, please see the minister in his study. (laughs) That could get you in real trouble, right? A little scandal there. <laughs> one last one. At the evening service tonight, the sermon topic will be, What is Hell? Come early and listen to our choir practice. <laughs> Robert isn't here, so I can say that. Okay, he might, he might hear it later. So, words can be a little confusing. Uh, I know that when I listen to politicians sometimes, I'm not sure exactly uh, what to believe. Some politicians will say just about anything in order to get elected, or they may say just about anything to get out of the promises that they once made. Other ones, you just you kind of listen to them, you're not real sure what they say. We've had famous presidents like President Bush who would had the malaprop and then the memes that came out after that. President Biden has a few of those as well. Sometimes I come away from a speech from a politician. I just scratch my head and wonder, uh, what, what was that again, right? Words are easily misused, confused, even abused. Uh, I have a couple other quotes here. These are from sweepstakes notifications. Now, we don't really get these too much anymore, but years ago... I know we got these all the time, and every time that I would see one, I would read the, they always had the, you know, the big print on the front, kind of suggesting that you might have won some kind of money. Of course, you knew you never did. But I I wrote a couple of those down over the years. One said, notification of $2,500 winner, please open it once. Of course, then you open it up, you think I won? No, of course not. Here's another one, urgent advisory amount pending. Now, I always wondered, they gave dollars and cents. Do I really care? I would think it would be $5,000, but it was just $4,997.88. But, of course, again, I didn't win. Now, this one really confused me. It said, notice to Miss Bonnie H. Gondola, a pending prize in the amount of a million dollars. And I'm like, well, why do I care if she won, if it's not me? So, words. Do we believe what they say? What's in a word? We've heard the phrase that talk is cheap. 
And so we may depreciate the value of words, which is really bad news for us who are preachers because we use words a lot. I mean, every profession has their tools, right? Doctors can have pills and dentists have drills and accountants have bills, but preachers, we have words. They are tools, so I get nervous when someone says, I'd rather see a sermon than hear one any day. If that's the case, I'm probably not all that necessary. But words truly are important, aren't they? We've heard that phrase that sticks and stones may break my bones, but words, what? Will never hurt me. Is that true? It is not. Words have tremendous power to either hurt or to heal and help. I'm going to give you a a true life example. You may not know the, the characters because they are from years past, but the stories I think will resonate with you. So there was in a Catholic church in a small European village In the Catholic Church, generally, the priest is the one who is administering Holy Communion. They call it Mass uh, in their service. And there usually is an altar boy, a helper, uh, who is there up at the altar as well. And one of his jobs often is to refill the the cruet or the, the pitcher of wine. And so in one small European village there during Mass, during the Lord's Supper, uh, the priest asked the altar boy, to fill that cruet, but he dropped it. And I can understand that because this is such a sacred meal that sometimes you get a little nervous and and you're not always in full uh, capacity of of all of of your abilities. And so he, he spilled it. And then, as the story goes, the priest actually slapped the altar boy. And the words then were, Leave the altar right now. You are not fit to be in God's house. Now, as the story goes, and I didn't collaborate this to see if it's actually true, but that young boy grew up to be the leader of the Communist Party in Yugoslavia. His name was Tito, and he died in 1980. Words have tremendous power to either hurt or to heal. Now, there was a similar story about the same time here in America, also in a Catholic church, also during Mass, also during the Lord's Supper. The priest was there, and the altar boy was was helping out as well, and he also said to him to fill the cruet, uh, to replenish the wine, and he also spilled it. But this bishop, with a twinkle in his eye, said to that young boy, someday you will become a priest. And he did. That was Archbishop Fulton Sheen. Words have tremendous power to hurt or to heal and to help. Now, words are often used without a lot of meaning, and I am just reporting the facts here. I have no judgment on this whatsoever. But psychologists tell us that 
the average American male uses 25,000 words a day. 25,000. Psychologists also tell us that the average American female uses 30,000 words a day. Now, there was an astronaut. His name was Michael Collins from years ago. And he was giving a speech one time. And he said, you know, in my house, I use my 25,000 words up. And then when I get home, my wife wants to use her 30,000. So I don't know how that goes in your house. But I'm just reporting the facts here. Not making any judgments at all. So words can have meaning. They have tremendous power. They can be used to heal and to help, or they can be used to hurt. Now, those are human words, right? They have tremendous power. We can encourage our children. We can discourage our children. We can build them up with positive words, or we can tear them down with negative words. Again, psychologists say that it takes about seven positive statements or words to counteract just one negative one. That is the power of word. But there is one word that is much more powerful than any other, and of course that is the word of God. We have here in our scripture today one of the most powerful passages, one of the most powerful words, and as I go through these from John chapter 1, I see so much of what our Lord has done. It says, in the beginning was the Word. And we know that to be true. We read it again, Genesis chapter 1. God said in the very beginning, on day one of creation, let there be light. And out of nothing, there was light. The light overcame the darkness. And in those six days, God used words. He used phrases to create all that there is. But what is even more remarkable than that, and that is just something that my mind cannot even begin to comprehend, how when there is nothing, a word can speak it into being. It goes on to say that that word was with God. And not only that, but that word was God. He was with God in the beginning. 2,000 years ago, this word is Jesus who was born in the manger, what we celebrate this day. Flesh and blood was there in the beginning. And even before the beginning, before there was time, the Word was with God and the Word was God. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. And not only that, in Him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. And that light shines in the darkness. And the darkness has not overcome it. The power of God to speak a word, to make something happen from the very beginning and all throughout Scripture. And the word of God came to Abraham and he moved from the earth of the Chaldeans to the place which now we call Israel, the Holy Land. And the word came to Moses, someone who could not speak very well on his own. And now he becomes eloquent and he becomes the leader of God's people. And he takes them out of slavery, eventually to the promised land. The word came to Ezekiel, 
these dry bones that were dead, and yet they came to life through the word of God. Even to Elijah in this still small voice, the power that showed him that God is always there in our lives. And the word that says, Emmanuel, today. A lot of times at Christmas, as we review our previous year, and we look at our own life, and we wonder what the future might hold, and we reflect upon the world in which we live, and we see the negativity, and we see the conflict, and we see this world that so often is mired in darkness, and we wonder what is the future for us and for our children. Today, I want you to be confident again in words, not just my words and not just your words, but in the Word of God. For that Word is always positive, and that Word is always helping, and that Word is always healing. And that is the Word that chases away the darkness in your life and in this world and forevermore. I want to close with this. let's say that later on today you're having Christmas dinner. I hope you have it with family and friends and it's just a wonderful meal. And let's say that afterward, at the very end, you have dessert. Is anybody going to have dessert today? I hope that you do. Dessert's a good thing. And let's say that someone there is baking a pie. And let's just say it's your favorite pie. I don't know what your favorite pie is. But let's just say it's lemon meringue. I don't know. No, let's say it's apple. That's probably one of my favorites, so I'll use that. Apple pie, and you smell it baking, and it is it's absolutely wonderful, this apple pie. And so it is now baked, <clears throat> and you ask the obvious question. Well, maybe you don't, but I always do in my house. I always ask, who is that pie for? Because in my house, so many things that are baked aren't meant for me, but they're meant for people at the church, right? So I have to ask, who is this pie for? Now, if the, if the answer is whomever, I know that that includes me because I am a whoever, right? I am a whoever. I mean, the people at church are whoever. My family could be whoever. You could be whoever, but I am whoever. So that means I can eat it, and that's the word that I want to leave with you today. The Word of God has come for whoever, which is everyone, which is you. And it's not only come for whoever, it has come whenever. It is always there available, the power of God, and it is forever. Not only for now, but for tomorrow and next week, and next year, and next month, and for all of eternity. That is the power of our God. Power of the Word that became flesh on Christmas and dwells with us forever. May that power, power and the love and the grace of God, be with you always. Amen.